Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, yeah, you already know what time it is. It's that official time when we take this worldwide. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the power slamming pancakes It's the mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really could have devoured him and from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change lanes. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up, it's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. Episode 223, 243, ladies and gentlemen. I am 20 weeks behind. 243 episodes. Uh, five months later, we are here, ladies and gentlemen, live on the Pancakes and Power Slam show, live in living color, getting funky like a monkey, if you will. I am Chris Featherstone, your host, as always. Follow us at Crave Wrestling on Twitter and Facebook at Crave Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, we have such an action-packed uh, night tonight. We have a roundtable full of many, many events, but we have our weekly interview, as we do always, and I'm really, really excited uh, to talk to this person. Such a blast from the past, and there's only one thing to have to say. When the shoulders are down, one, two, three, the ones left standing are my posse and me. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, former WCW star, PN News. Yo, baby. Yo, baby. Yo. How are you tonight, sir? Wow. What more can I say to that introduction, dude? I'm, I'm doing all right. How are you doing yourself? I, I am doing fantastic, man. It's, it's great to have you tonight. So we Good have... Uh, on. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So so, so you started off uh, young. You were um, in your early 20s when you started wrestling, right? Uh, yeah, I started, I was uh, like 20 years old when I trained, uh, trained out of uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, or Columbus, Minnesota, uh, under Brad Ring and, and uh, his his assistant, uh, Drew Tossel. Yeah, and Brad Rangan's a uh, former AWA star, for those uh, who are not aware. 
Uh, well, so just an AWA star, but he was, you know, he was uh, an Olympic hopeful in the 80s. When, in oh, 1980, yeah. when we uh, boycotted the Olympic, he was like one of the top two wrestlers in the whole world. So uh, he exactly. had quite a pedigree. Yeah. Absolutely. He was a heck of a guy. And he was a heck of a guy, too. And he's trained many, many people, <clears throat> some some top some Certainly top has. names. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you you wrestled for Catch in, in Europe, right? Yeah, I worked for Autovance uh, for a number of years. Uh, it's it probably my my favorite character that I ever did. I was I wrestled as PN News, and uh, I really enjoyed myself uh, being on the road over there with a lot of great guys. Not just the European talent, but some of the American talent that uh, we all came up and came through around the same time, you know. So uh mm-hmm. it was it was it was like the it was like the place to be in Europe. I mean if you were gonna be if you were gonna be on W C W or, or WWF, if you were a big American, you were gonna it was a big man's territory. You'd go over there, you'd get a you'd get a look at it, and you'd uh, you'd end up coming back and getting a little bit of a push. You know? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So how did Cannonball Grizzly how 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 did that name come about? <laughs> Uh, when I when I um, when I left uh, when I left Portland, Oregon, I was out in Portland because I started in AWA and then I moved out to Portland. And I was working for Don Owens, and Don Owens was uh, probably one of the favorite, my favorite promoters, probably the favorite promoter I've ever worked for. Um, he, um, in fact, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have stuck the business out for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to you know I got to learn from a lot of great talent out there. And but um, Fujinami. Um, came over from New Japan and and he pulled me to the side and, and he had some words to say because after he'd seen me wrestle, he, they wanted me to come to New Japan. And uh, he was doing like a, he was doing championship matches in the United States. He did a few of the territories and then he flew over to the uh, CWA and uh, he, he had a he had a title match over there with Tony Sinclair, I believe. And uh, Otto, uh, Big Jim Brown, the uh, Kamala, he had to leave and come back to the States on short notice. And I'd, I'd met Otto a long time ago, but I didn't know who he was, you know, because when I wasn't like a huge wrestling fan when I got in, and I, I mean, I enjoyed wrestling, but I wasn't a huge fan. I didn't know who he was. I met him in the NWA. Well, Fujinami showed him my picture and gave him my information, and Otto called me. And like three days later, I was on a, I was on a flight. So there I was in, in the, in the um, on the Pacific Northwest, I was known as Avalanche. And then Otto, uh, they decided to call me Paul the Grizzly, you know what I mean? Like, I really wasn't a hairy guy. I don't know where the Grizzly came in. I guess it was just my overall size. But um, they called me Paul the Grizzly, and then they, they saw how, how fast I moved in the ring, and I was throwing drop kicks, hitting guys in the melon. And and then, uh, the, you know, so I worked, the, I worked the 38 days up to Christmas, 36 days in Bremen up to Christmas, and the last show was a huge show, and, I think it was uh, Vader came over for the championship against Otto, and uh, we had about 10,000 people, and uh, you know it was great. But the next year they brought me back, and when they brought me back to start in, in Austria, down in uh, Linz, Austria, uh, they changed my name from Paul the Grizzly to Cannibal Grizzly, and I said, well, what, you know, they said, well, they they, kept, they said Kanunenkugel, uh, and at the time I didn't speak any German, and I said, well, what the hell is a Kanunenkugel? And he said, well, it's uh, it's like a cannonball. So I said, why don't you call me Cannonball Grizzly instead of Kanunenkugel? It sounds so stupid, right? So they kept calling me Kanunenkugel, but I kept calling myself Cannonball Grizzly, and sooner or later, the Cannonball Grizzly thing ended up sticking, you know, because it's like you're, you're like 
you're so fast, you're like a shot out of a cannon, which uh, I thought was quite flattering. I think uh, the, the losing of quickness is helped by uh, using the wrestling ropes, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And news did that come from? Because your your name your name was Paul New. So did that come? It was the E N Paul New, and then news kind of like a. Yeah, what it basically happened is when I went to I went to the WCW, I had the idea of the, the, the gimmick itself, the rapping, rapping wrestler, and mm-hmm. they just loved it. And so, I mean, uh, and, and so I became like a, a first rapping gimmick. But the, the thing is, is when Dusty, um, when Dusty was looking at the gimmick, he said, okay, like, he said, okay uh, what are we going to do with it? Um, I had like a completely different name, like PJ Cool, you know what I mean? And I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking kind of that hip hop, that Will Smith type thing, right? And uh, so when I finally met for the on the agreement of uh, working for WCW, then Dusty came up with the name PN News because my name was Paul New. And he said, because we were working for Ted Turner at the time, WCW was owned by Ted Turner. It's like, he said, uh, Little Stan, we're gonna call you PN News, like PNN if you will, PN News, PN News. You know they can see the connection if you will. You know, and uh, that was nice impression. PN News came. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. So the gimmick idea was mine, but the name belongs to Dusty. So he's the he's the, he's the son of a he's the son of a BS that, that uh, came up with the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well. Well, it works. I mean, you know, I it it worked. And PN News is it, a you know what? Yeah, the character got over. Uh, it did. You know, it did. And you know, it, it got over so much that they loved me down south and in the Midwest, anywhere else, but they just hated me. It couldn't have me up in the Northeast. But that's typical for baby faces. <laughs> and uh, so they're all they're all a bunch of baby face haters up there. But you know what? I mean, it is. Yeah. It is. What it is basically, uh, it was fun while you know doing it at the time, and I mean, I'm still doing, I'm still doing a little bit. I, you know, I just moved back from Europe, and I'm, uh, I'm actually uh, setting myself up for dates, you know. So, if anybody, uh, if anybody's yeah, so, interested in booking with me, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll we'll be sure to mention that again. Um, so so okay. was it the so was it Dusty that mentored you? Uh, no, no, not by a long ways. I, I mean, I got my pedigree. I learned how to work with, uh, you know, when I was out in Portland, uh, the Grappler, Lynn Denton, Dave Sierra, guys like that, and Buddy Rose, uh, especially Buddy Rose. I mean, I tagged with him for a while. We were tag team champions out in the Pacific Northwest. They are called the Beach Boys. And I learned a lot working with Buddy side by side. You know, I, I learned how to do that tag psychology, which is kind of dead now. Nobody knows how to do the psychology of a tag match, and um, and I, you know, in Lynn Denton, I used to, you know, I was driving up and down. I was doing five hours one way, five hours the other way, and you know, I was just getting in his head all the time, uh, just uh, learning about things. And when I got over to Europe, uh, Dave Dave Fit Finley, and uh, he was a he was a big influence on me. Dave okay. Fit Finley, Dave Taylor, and uh, Tony Sinclair, guys like that were mm-hmm. tremendous influences on on my my career. Okay, so so who was uh, behind the idea of you feuding with uh, with Austin? Uh, well, I don't know if it was really a feud. They, you know, they put me in a, they put me in a few different situations. I mean, there was 
the Johnny B. Bad thing, and then they they tried out the the whole thing with Austin. There was that little thing going on, but it was just I think it was just to kind of set up a a TV title match. Not a TV, yeah, the TV title match which he held at the same time, or he held at yeah. that time. So, and yeah. and the big blow off the big blow off was a was a time limit draw. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a, a kind of a buzzkill. Yeah. One one of the biggest matches that you had was that the dreaded scaffold matches. I, I never understood the, the concept of a scaffold match. Uh, well, this, this, who came with, who came I, out with that idea? Well, it's not nothing to do with me. I assure you, it, uh, it goes down and it goes down in history. Is not you know. Um, one of the worst matches I've ever been in, and that's not a reflection on the talent who was in the ring. It was just that they had uh, the Tennessee scaffold matches. You know, the scaffold was about a, was like a one story above the above the ring, where mm-hmm. uh, they had forgot to order proper scaffolding for this for the show. So the, uh, the 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 TV crew they rigged they rigged that scaffolding, and it was like three stories above the ring. So normally, what would happen is somebody would take a bump off, bump off the, uh, would take a bump off that thing, and uh, then Dusty sat us all down and goes, "Listen, I don't expect anybody to take a bump off this." And Bobby Eaton's like, "Right away, I'll do it." <laughs> you know, and I'm like, and then we all kind of looked at Bobby and like, "Are you ribbing?" You know what I mean? It, it was, you know, it was certain injury. You know what I mean? He goes, "No, yeah. no." And so they came up with the ideas of putting the flags on each end, and I mean, really, I mean. That's one of the that's one of my lowest points uh, in my career. Kind of, it's uh, it, I mean not low. I mean it's just one of those things you do. You know what I mean? You end up in you end up in matches and you end up in angles that you don't want to be in. But you just you know it's your job. Right. You do it and uh, you know you're doing it for the fans and you're doing it for your paycheck. You know. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. I agree. I agree with you. Now, I mean, it seemed like they were they were doing some things with you as far as a push now. They not only did they halt your push, they they, they released you. What, what's the story behind that? Why why did they let you go? Now there's some stories going well, around as far you know, as there was a spot. You know there was there was a spot that you wrestled someone and things like that. Now clear the air about that. Well, I don't know. I, I know I I had a match with Angel of Death, and some people say say it was down to that. Uh, he'd injured his knee, and they said I was reckless. I mean, but how many guys have injured people uh, throughout the throughout the ages and I certainly, you know, did not want that to happen, and it was, right. uh, it was absolutely not intentional. And it's, I mean, I've not, you know, I've, I've had over five thousand matches, and it's, uh, people don't, you know, people haven't been getting hurt in, in any of the other ones. Um, so that was, you know, that was a situation, but I, that wasn't what it was all about. It was, um, it, it's, it, the story is absolutely pretty long. I don't know how much time I got, but. It was a, it was about it was about a bunch of other things and they they pinned um, they pinned some situation that happened over in England they they tried to pin that on me and they tried to they called me a thief and mm. uh, you know what I've got a lot of sins I've got a lot of sins in this world but um, that's not one of mine to pay and and anybody anybody in the industry or outside the industry that thinks otherwise that thinks I'm different you know what they don't concern me at all because they ain't worth my time. Uh, the people, the, the people. I have friends in this industry, and and uh, I know I know some good people, and and they know me, and that's that's the most important thing. Anybody that wants to judge me for any for something somebody else said something about somebody else, uh, you know, they can, you know, I'm just they don't they're not worth my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. How was it working with Ric Flair? 
Ric Flair, he was, uh, you know what, he was, he was smooth. You know what I mean? He's, um, you know what, I, the most, I'll tell you what, when I was, when I first got around Flair, I mean, I was, I was actually really impressed with him. Um, and I mean, I have, you know, I, I have no disrespect for him. You know, he's Ric Flair. He is who he is. He was, you know, at the top of his game in the eighties. And, um, he did, uh, I remember when I was out, in, you know, I was out in the uh, Pacific Northwest, it was still the NWA, it wasn't WCW yet. And, you know, the NWA champion would go out to all the territories and he would have title, he would have the, you know, you know, like our top guy who was a grappler at the time, wrestled Flair for the World Heavyweight Championship of the World, you know, and uh, that's, you know, they would do the rounds to all the NWA affiliates. And Flair came in, and, and he flew in, and it wasn't much of a, it wasn't really wasn't much of a house. We actually drew more money a couple of weeks later, you know, without anybody else coming in. And uh, Flair came. I was sitting in the office with Don Don Owens. I was sitting there talking to him, you know, picking people's brains, you know, especially Don Owens. Uh, you know, he, you know, he was he was a help promoter and a, and a hell of a payoff, you know, back in the early '80s, and. Uh, you know, he really looked after me, and I was sitting there listening. Flair comes in, he goes, Don, he goes, uh, you know, I don't want, I said, I know what the house is like out there. Don't worry about my percentage deal. He said, just give me $50 like it's a house show and, and pay the transport, and we'll call it good, you know. And I was like, wow, dude, this is, you know, this is the world heavyweight champion saying, just give me a 50 and we'll call it good because, you know, he was even disappointed in himself. And Don gave him, the, you know, the percentage, you know, the, the world heavyweight champion's percentage anyway. Uh, but I thought that was, you know, real big of Flair, you know, at the time. Just oh, yeah. showed me, okay, you know, I mean, that's something to look up to. You know what I mean? Here I was a greenhorn, like, uh, five, six months in the business, and, and uh, I see the world champion come in and say that. And it just made, it made me really humble. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I've, I've done this. I've, you know, that's why I do have a love for the business and, and uh, you know, love-hate relationship I get. But I, I did it, you know. You know, it just was one of those things. It was one of those early things that really, really impressed me. And uh, as, as a young, as a young wrestler, as a young greenhorn. Yeah, yeah, that's the shit you're sharing. That. So my last question to you is, uh, what what are your biggest takeaways uh, with working with WCW? Who who was like the best person you worked with, and and, and the most difficult? You know, I didn't really find anybody too difficult to work with. There was there, there was a lot of good talent with whether you you know whoever you were working with, it didn't matter. Um, that's the thing is, it did, there was a lot of talent, but there was also too many chiefs. So you know, there were guys with different agendas and stuff like that. And you know, so you know, a, a character like Pia News that was getting over could also get sidelined so quick. You know, um, there were a lot of stuff like that, and and. Uh, it was clicky, but that's the industry, you know. And um, and I just, you know, I'd rather just, you know, go with the flow. I'm, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm a laid back kind of guy. And I, you know, if if I come out, uh, come off any different, you know, sometimes laid back nice guys do finish last. Only especially in the entertainment industry. But um, I just, uh, my my whole takeaway was kind of a, um, yeah, it was just all mixed up. Uh, Without using profanity, it was just a food bar, you know, the, the, the system mm-hmm. there. So, uh, but uh, it was quite an experience for me. I got to, you know, I got to be, you know, I was on, I was on television, and, and uh, it was, um, it was fun traveling all traveling the United States and the world, uh, and somebody else's dying, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, was Hart in charge or Watts at the time you were there? Uh, yeah, Hart, Hart was there, and then. He left and you know he was like released and Kip Fry kind of took over as the 
senior advisor. He was a um, he was like one of the lawyers, one of uh, one of the lawyers, and he mm-hmm. came in and kind of Dusty was kind of kind of directing him a little bit at the time. That's of course that's of course until Watts came in, but Watts was just after my time. So, gotcha, gotcha. Well, it's been a pleasure, uh, Paul. Thanks so much for your time. Let us know where we can find you. You said that you're still you're still doing some uh, indie shows. Yeah. You're, you're back at Cannonball Grizzly, right? You're, that's your that's your name yeah, again, I, right? Yeah, I do Cannonball Grizzly, but in the states in the states I do. I'm doing. I want to do some PN News. Um, okay. They can get me. They can find me at Twitter. It's Real PN News uh, on Twitter. And uh, and uh, anybody interested in booking me, all they got to do is drop me a PM. You know, personal message, and I'll. Uh, get back to them uh, as quick as I can on it. So uh, so I'm just glad to be back in the States, and uh, it's, uh, it should be interesting. I've uh, I've got a, you know, I've got some interesting stuff coming up, and um, I just want to get out there and, uh, you know, interact with the American fans again. Yeah, absolutely. So Thanks so much, Paul. One more time, it's just the real PM news on Twitter, so. Awesome. And, yeah, awesome. again, thank, thank you for having me, and I wish everybody, all the fans out there, any – any uh, news of maniacs or whatever you want to call them, uh, <laughs> anybody that likes, uh, you know, anybody that's heard the news, that they uh, they should have a uh, good holiday season, especially a, a, a nice Thanksgiving and a happy and merry Christmas. Awesome. We are we are the yo. Sorry, you broke up there. We hashtag that and see where that goes. So, Appreciate- <laughs> all right, sorry, buddy. Paul. Really, <laughs> thanks a lot. Have a good. All right. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Paul New, PN News. I really appreciate uh, him being on the show. That was uh, that was absolutely awesome. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that uh, it's really a fun thing. It's really awesome just to have interviews that uh, just have uh, people who blast from the past. And uh, when I was a kid uh, in the 90s uh, growing up, uh, he was just one of, I mean, he had, he was one of the cheesiest characters of all time, but you know, 10, 11, 12 year old Chris Featherstone at the time, you couldn't tell me anything. Yeah. You know, he was the coolest, hippest dude in the world. I was a big beastie boys fan and, 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 um, uh, digital underground <laughs> and all of those groups back in the day. Uh, and, and, and you know, PN news fit right into it as far as, like you said, a hip hop rapper, um, you know, he was definitely, he definitely was the, uh, embodied the, the beastie boys, uh, <laughs> craze at the time. So, Hey, you know, in hindsight, it was, it was, it was funny. It was cheesy, but back in uh, 1991, uh, I was, uh, I was chanting, yo baby, yo baby, yo right with them. So thank you so much, Paul, for the, for the interview. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, you sharing, uh, 25 years ago, uh, Wrestling for the WCW. Thanks so much for your time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the roundtable discussion. Uh, it, it seems like Ryan is not with us right now, but at the same time, we have current and former Bleacher Report all-time best writers of the entire galaxy when it comes to WWE content. These people know their stuff. And they are ready to rock and roll. Two of my favorite, favorite co-hosts of the entire world. Uh, let's start off with none other than the doctor, Chris Mueller. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. 
Oh man, it's always a pleasure. And Mr. Uh, Yo Baby, Yo Baby, Yo Nation member himself, Mr. Travis Taylor. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing great tonight, Chris, man. Thanks for having me back, and uh, I'm happy to be here, man. Let's do this. Absolutely, man. Uh, We got got so much to talk about. We have TakeOver, we have uh, Survivor Series, we have Raw, and we have SmackDown. But before then, let's get to the headlines as we do every week. Here we go. There's been some things. There's been some some uh, mild talk. Uh, it's not much going on with it, but it would be very interesting to see this. Uh, so there's been some some media buzz about AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins all wanting uh, an out of retirement match with Shawn Michaels. Um, it certainly doesn't seem like Shawn Michaels is ever going to step out of retirement. It's been since uh, 26, so he's been out for six and a half years now. Uh, so here, my question to you, Travis, is would you like to see one more match with Shawn Michaels? Uh, and if if so, who would it be with? Oh, man, oh, of course I'd want to see one more match with Shawn Michaels. I don't know who wouldn't. Um, uh, of those three guys... I'm gonna. Have, I'd have to say AJ Styles. I, I love Kevin Owens. I love Seth Rollins. But uh, AJ Styles, he's just. I I I, I want to say he's just so graceful in the ring. I like watching him wrestle. His moves are just crisp and precise. And uh, I think him going up against Shawn Michaels, it would just be a technical masterpiece. It would be fantastic. They're both great storytellers and great wrestlers. Can't beat it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Chris, out of out of those three, uh, what, what are your thoughts? I, I got to agree with Travis. AJ Styles is the man. I mean, he is the closest thing to a carbon copy of Shawn Michaels as far as just how smooth he is in the ring and how he's able to take these massive falls like we saw off the ladder tonight. And it's like there's nothing wrong with the guy when and when it's all over. It would just it would be one of the greatest matches of all time if Shawn Michaels was at fighting shape when it happened. Indeed, yeah, and it's interesting because you know AJ Styles, he's have he you know uh, what a couple years ago um, he had some really really bad back problems when he was with uh, ROH uh, leading into final battle against uh, Jay Lethal uh, at the end of uh, fourteen uh, end of fifteen, so just a year ago, uh, and interesting because. You know, there's a certain uh, type of yoga that I have, and that I uh, that uh, that it's it's coined by a former WCW champion that I interviewed. Uh, I'm not getting paid to say it, so I won't say what it is. So, uh, but it's but it's a but it's a great uh, it's a great yoga, uh, and uh, the yoga is so great that it has its name on there. So I'm sure you can read between the lines. <laughs> Uh, and and uh, so he he's used that type of yoga, the the bang yoga, uh, and you know it, it's really really helped him out. And uh, I can definitely see. I mean, you saw it with Mick Foley too, so uh, it works. I, I've uh, I, I have purchased that type of yoga, uh, and uh, maybe I can talk to that guy and maybe we can get some sponsors going on but uh we don't now so yeah that type of yoga really works and uh it's helped uh aj so you know all the bumps that he's taken now um 
you know, you can just tell that uh, that's that's really helped him. So I definitely, you know, kudos to that because he'll he'll be, he'll be 40 years old, you know, the uh, I think next summer, and it's just it's crazy how you know he can still wrestle as if he's in his 20s, you know. Yeah. And yeah, and you know, and I think that he will absolutely blow the roof off um, when it comes to Shawn Michaels and the things with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. Uh, you know, Kevin Owens would bring more of a character-ish to, you know, uh, the, the, the bout. Uh, Seth Rollins would be fun to watch, but I think it would be too bouncy. Uh, but but I think AJ has a pretty good um, ground game. I think, he, I think he has a pretty good balance, so I would love to see that. Scott Steiner ripping Bill Goldberg for being on 2K17. I I read those tweets, and I'm like, uh, come on, man. Travis, help me out with this. It sounds like professional jealousy to me. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Scott Steiner, um, he's kind of just become this loose cannon, and, you know, he runs his mouth, he says things. And uh, I think he's kind of forgotten that the WWE, whether we like it or not, you know, if you're a fan of the Attitude Area or not, whatever, is a very, you know, family-oriented product. And, uh, you know, Goldberg is this, you know, returning superhero, and Scott Steiner's this crazy mm-hmm. cannon. You never know what he's going to say. He doesn't really fit that WWE formula anymore. Um, right. Like I said, it just sounds like he's just jealous that Goldberg's getting the uh, accolades and the attention, and he's not. Yeah, but here's the thing, Chris. When when could we ever compare Scott Steiner to Bill Goldberg? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, when you're talking about who's the better pro wrestler, career versus career, you know, you got Scott Steiner hands down. But Bill Goldberg was one of the few people to truly get over during the NWO era, and yep. people loved him. I had a Bill Goldberg shirt during that time. A lot of us did. So, you know, but I think maybe this has to do with the fact that Goldberg's last two wrestling appearances before WWE saw him spear Scott Steiner for Legends of Wrestling. Yeah. So maybe there's a little bit of hatefulness from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> it has to stop. I mean, Scott's just got to he, – he's got to cut it off. You know, I, I – is a yeah. leading for something. I mean, at least when Vader did it, at least it led to a match, you know, with, uh, <laughs> with um, what's, what's the guy's name? Oh, um, Will Osprey? Yeah, Will Osprey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> at least it led to a match. You know, I mean, you, you're not going to get a Scott Steiner versus Bill Goldberg match anywhere, everywhere. And nobody yeah, wants yeah, that. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course he does. Of, of course he does. He's waiting until after WrestleMania. I mean, like the day after WrestleMania, you know, just prepare for more Scott Steiner tweets because he's going to try to do his best to try to get some type of indie promoter, to try to scrape up some money and, uh, you know, give them both checks that he can't cash yeah. <laughs> just to try to to try to have some type of event go on. I, I don't I really don't see the, the purpose of it. I just think it's just wasted time. Uh, speaking of uh, wasted time, the antithesis, the, the antithesis of that is Chris Jericho. Uh, you know, I know it's I know it's storyline. I know it's you know it's just it was leading to, to Survivor Series, but it did it did spark something. He called him a stupid idiot. 
uh, based on the the promo that he did last week. Now, I, I think at this point it doesn't seem as if the Undertaker has, you know, he most likely he has one more left in him, which is <clears throat> which is thirty three, uh, maybe thirty four. Now I, I was looking at the list of legends that you know that has been a part of the streak or a part of Undertaker um, at WrestleMania. One of them, one of those people are, is not Chris Jericho. Now let me ask Chris, would you mind a Chris Jericho Undertaker WrestleMania match? I wouldn't mind that at all. Actually. Uh, I think Chris Jericho is one of those people who is old enough to have been around during Undertaker's heyday so people can make that connection, but is still in good enough shape to carry a match for a guy who's going to come in with obvious physical limitations. I mean, Jericho can still go out there and have a five-star match with just about anybody, and when you add in the Undertaker's just overall presence, I think it would be more entertaining than the last few WrestleMania matches he's had, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Travis? I got to agree with the doctor on this one. You know, Jericho can go out there and have, I think, a five-star match with anybody. And uh, I'd love to see him step in the ring with The Undertaker. A simple little comment like that, calling him a stupid idiot, can just write itself right into a storyline right up into Mm -hmm. WrestleMania. And honestly, I don't uh, see anybody right now that I think The Undertaker could go up against that would be a more fun, I say, opponent to to watch him fight. Uh, I'd say Chris Jericho all the way. Yeah, I think the operative word, word there is safe. Um, yeah, you know be, be, because <laughs> yeah, because the, the Undertaker he can't. You know, I, I'm all, I'm old school, and y'all know from being on the show, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. I'm old school, so I, I would I would pay money to see a Taker Strowman fight just because of the large in life appeal to it, not because either can wrestle, but because both have a certain presence that you know that that their character tells the story but at the same time when taker did that with giant gonzalez when he did it with with bundy you know when he did it with uh uh, a train and show when he did you know when he did it with all the list of people uh he was you know he was the one at the time carrying the matches um you know climbing on you know uh basically doing the, the the rope uh uh the rope deal uh, and doing some acrobatic moves, but you know he he's not at that moment now that uh, that he can. And, and you know the, the the twilight of his career was around 25 and 26 when when he really stopped being as uh, uh, just athletic in his arsenal, and is more it was more about the, the presence of Taker. And, and I think that you know the reason why I said 25 and 26 is that. You know, Shawn Michaels did a fantastic job balancing, you know, that with Taker. And I think Jericho would do the same thing. I mean, you know, Chris Jericho to me is as close as you can get to Shawn Michaels um, when it comes to athletic ability. So I would be all in favor of a of a Jericho uh, Taker match at 33, and that would be a huge a huge spot for for Jericho, and it certainly wouldn't be any. You know, it wouldn't be a bad thing. He would fit right in uh, going against uh, the Undertaker. So it would be very interesting. 
Real quick, thoughts on the uh, the DCC faction from TNA, which uh, unveiled themselves uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, James Storm returns as a heel uh, with uh, indie star um, Eddie Kingston and um, Bram. So, Chris, what what are your thoughts on the on the DCC? I mean, I it, we'll, we'll get to the Matt Hardy thing here in a moment. Uh, but it just seems like they're they're trying their best. You know, I love I'm a I'm a big fan of characters unveiling. I, I, I've always been a fan of that. That that and it has a narrative to it. Who's the character? It brings the mistake out. But is it too is it too late uh, for for the DCC to to really make some type of impact? I, I you know I guess pun intended. You know, I haven't been paying attention to TNA too much the last few months. Uh, I think it probably is getting to the point where it's too late for anybody to do anything important in TNA. But I'm a fan. I'm a fan of James Storm. I've seen a little bit from Eddie Kingston, and he seems like he's pretty talented. I never really got much into Bram, but you know, I mean, TNA at this point is just looking for reasons to use the guys that they're paying. So. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with it. Random stables come and go all the time, and this is probably just going to be a temporary thing. Yeah, Travis. It seems like you know they're they're just you know kind of swinging at the fences now, and, and just, they're they're just kind of throwing anything up and hoping that it sticks. Uh, yeah, I gotta agree with that. Um, you know, and I I I, I wish uh, TNA could figure something out and pull it together because I think competition is good. Um, for all for wrestling fans and for wrestling companies. Um, I think it's too soon to tell them the, the DCC faction um, whether it's going to take off or not. My my gut feeling, like, I'm watching it, I wasn't that excited about it. I felt like it's something that's been tried before. They kind of mm-hmm. reminded me of, like, a shield knockoff, even though they have, like, the white mask and everything. Yeah. I, was like, I wasn't that excited about it. I love James Storm, and I was just rather see him on his own. Uh, but who knows? Maybe, yeah. maybe something will come out of this. Maybe, uh, you know, the, the whole Matt Hardy... Uh, angle will will work, and maybe something's going to come out of this. I really want TNA to do well, but I, I feel like the writing might be on the wall. Yeah, I, I think it was interesting. I mean, I I was I was interested to see um, what came out of it. Um, I was I was interested to see the reveal, and, and it, it was three people who out of would have never imagined to be together. Um, I like Kingston's indie work. I've always been a fan of Ken, uh, Kingston's indie work. I agree with you, Chris. I've never been too high on Bram, though. Um, but I think he fits, you know, this type of chaotic, you know, faction. And then James Storm, you know, uh, I'm a fan of James Storm. Uh, but, you know, you got the revolution and then NXT, and then he comes back, you know, with beer money, and then beer money goes away, then he feuds with you know Lashley and just you know, it just seems too insta- uh, unstable to to a TNA brand that is incredibly uh, unstable and it's 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 sad because I agree with both of you I, I want the WWE to have competition uh, because we both see you know we all seen as the, the bookings were just ridiculously lazy um, because they don't have that pressure. You know, towards them to to beat. Evidence. Yeah. 
And, you know, there is actually a writer position open for the WWE. Uh, there's been, there were people who actually sent me the writers like, yeah, you're, you're, you'll do good. A, a friend of mine <laughs> said, he sent me the link to the, to the writer. He actually sent me a screenshot to the, to the, the, the WWE's hiring for writers. And he said that I'll make Raw great again. So I thought that, that was uh, <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, the price is on. I'll buy. So, um, yeah. Uh, there's, your, there's your hook, man. I was going to say, there, put yeah. that in your resume right there. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to make we're all great again. I'm going I'm to do it. I'm going to do it bigly. Uh, but <laughs> speaking, of, uh, speaking of bigly, uh, Broken Matt Hardy. So, one of the that had nothing to do with Donald Trump. Matt Hardy has nothing to do with Donald Trump. That was <laughs> just an odd segue that uh, I'm just going to make work. Uh, Broken Matt Hardy is he, he so so he's had this amnesia thing going on. And the thing is, uh, and it saddens me too, because Broken Matt Hardy is what made TNA great again. <laughs> I guess we could, I guess there is a segue. There you go. Uh, Broken Matt Hardy is. What Great again, uh, and you know he was one of the best actors in all of wrestling. I, I, you know, I was very cautious toward Broken Matt Hardy for a little bit, and it, it, you know, I get sucked into characters and just the brother near. I knew you. I knew you'd come when he did it with Jericho. You know, and, and it was just. I mean, just the. I was very critical towards the, the final deletion match and then, you know, watching, I was like, Oh, this is pretty good. Um, and he, and he just, he was so over as a heel that he became a, because people kept chanting, delete, delete. And, you know, and he really, really made something out of what he was given. Uh, and, and unfortunately, uh, because of the legal issues going on with TNA and Corgan, Corgan's gone, and now this is what Matt Hardy's you know character is, and it's and it's sad. Um, delete, 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 delete. Yes, yes, Matt. It is uh, deleted, unfortunately. So now he has a broken Matt. You know, now he has amnesia, and he has he has no idea about the character. And of course, you know, from a backstage standpoint, uh, Corgan wants his ideas back uh, because that's his uh, intellectual property. And if they keep going, that's uh, gimmick infringement. So. Uh, it, it has to be taken away, and, and and Chris, you know, it's 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 sad, you know, because broken heart, broken Matt Hardy has to be deleted, uh, and just another huge blow for TNA. Well, I, I don't know how much right Corrigan would have to take back the character, because I would assume that anyone who writes for the company creates characters for the company, not for themselves, but. You know, I mean, maybe he should just start calling himself, like, Fixed Matt Hardy or something. I mean, he can act uh, however he, you know, uh, he can act however he wants. He just doesn't have to use had a the premonition. broken name. <laughs> so, I mean, who knows? Broken Matt Hardy, is he's really reinvented himself with that, and hopefully he can continue to find success even after TNA is gone. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, but it, it's so, you know, Travis, it, it's so, uh, the legal stuff is so heated. So, at this point, I think, you know, Corbin has said that his that's his baby. And at the point, and at this point, it's like, hey, I want everything that, that uh, is affiliated with me gone from the company. You know, I can definitely see that going on as far as how, just ugly the legal issues has gone you know it's it's even spilled out on twitter so it, it's really sad and and you know i don't see corgan coming again so that no probably means that's that we a, won't see Mart howdy broken again yeah and that's that's such a disappointment for uh the wrestling fans because that like yeah. you said that was such a great character i remember i stumbled upon it on youtube i wasn't watching tna at the time and i saw Broken Matt Hardy little uh, thumbnail, and I thought, what the heck is this? And I was sucked mm-hmm. in instantly. Fantastic. But, you know, Matt Hardy's been in, Matt and Jeff, they've both been in this business for a long time. You don't stick around this long without being able to constantly reinvent yourself. And I'm sure that he'll figure out something. Matt Hardy will come up with something that will be, you know, different, but just as good. You guys yeah. have a little faith. Yeah. Yep. I, I totally agree. Uh, and I, you know, I think they'll do well. And hey, there are some talks of them, go, you know, coming to the Fallout Fells. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> we'll see the Hardy Boys uh, broken and forty uh, back in the WWE. <laughs> uh, well, this would be a perfect time for them to come back. You know, it's a head. Yeah, it make would. A comeback. The Hardys can make a comeback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going to be just the regular Hardys, and you may even get Lita come out of the uh, the booth uh, to manage them again, and with the that red thong and just, yeah, yeah, team expressionist back. I got a small mile wide right now. I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah, team extreme is uh, retired. Yeah, that that would that, yeah that that night two thousand is is. At the end of the day, Vince is for uh, the Vince and Triple H is really, if if anything, you know we could get a Hardy Boys you know match in NXT. I'd be okay with that. Uh, oh yeah, I, I wouldn't mind. Uh, yeah, like like Mickey James did. I, I certainly wouldn't mind uh, them competing in NXT for a time or so um, against uh, the. Uh, what about what about this? What do you think about the Hardys versus TM Six One? That would be nice. I, I would yeah. like that. <laughs> I mean, that would be a lot of fun, especially after what we saw TM61 do at TakeOver. They were great, oh, yeah. so that would be amazing. Absolutely. Speaking of TakeOver, let's get right into uh, the, the TakeOver. Chris, uh, keep riding that pony, so to speak, and uh, let us know your thoughts on uh, TakeOver. I thought it was another strong show from top to bottom. Uh, I, I really liked... Just about every match, actually. Uh, Ty Dillinger had a standout moment, even in a loss, and I've been waiting for that guy to go over and get a push for a while. I'm hoping this leads to it. You know, Bobby Roode's entrance was something to behold all of itself. But, uh, you know, I mean, I think... Oh, come on. You you, you set it up, Chris. You should have said it was glorious. I was was trying not to be too obvious with it, but, uh, you know, I think everybody agrees, at least... For me personally, the match of the night was the two out of three falls tag match. That was just amazing storytelling right from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, I, I I agree with you. I think that was a great point. Travis, what are your thoughts on TakeOver? Uh, NXT continues to be a step above the main roster. Um, it's just amazing what these what they're doing over there. Um, I wish that every time I turned on Monday Night Raw, I was seeing the kind of just in-ring storytelling and action that I'm seeing on NXT. Yeah. It, it just, uh, you know, uh, this is the wrestling that I love. I love seeing the skill like this, and, and I'm just – I still I can't stop thinking about the you know Oscar versus Mickey James how incredible was that or even even uh, Nakamura versus Samoa Joe I'm a big Samoa Joe fan I thought that was fantastic yeah I agree I think it was uh, quality <laughs> it was quality wrestling quality entertainment again and and I yeah and I, and I again I'm, I'm again I always compare wrestling to the uh the theater the art the entertainment aspect of 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 the 80s and the 90s and um uh i sent a a few i haven't all know but the people the the viewers listeners don't know that we have a network of fellow writers and 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 um webmasters and things like that i sent an email uh just my thoughts i wrote a piece about goldberg um and it it's like i i say this i've said this in a conversation uh a few conversations before you know i think one of the the biggest things that wrestling is missing is that entertainment aspect to be invested in a character and i said uh wrestling just the essence of wrestling is 70% of what's outside of the ring and 30% of what's inside of the ring. What I mean, what I mean by that is that Hogan made a leg drop look like a million bucks and (laughs) the rock made an elbow drop look like 2 million bucks. And the very, that very point right there is that it doesn't matter what you do in the ring match starts outside and the character that's invested and the people can get into and whatever, whatever you do in the ring, you can do some, some clubs. I mean, Andre the giant used to spend about two minutes choking someone in the, on the corner. That was, that was Andre the giant's thing. He would, he would club someone in the back and he would, he would, uh, uh, he would headlock someone and use the strap from his from his gear uh, to cheat and to wrap the strap on someone's neck, and that's basically what he would do the entire match. You know, he would he would choke you in the corner, he would get you in the headlock, but who cared? He was Andre the Giant. He was just <laughs> larger than life, just behemoth of a character. That it really, I mean, he didn't have to do anything, but but just embody and just uh, exude the character inside the ring because it was already established outside. Anyone who can do that now in the WWE, they get it. They understand what wrestling is. That's the reason why The Undertaker, Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, those those characters are still important. Those that's the reason why they're the people who draw the money and make them and, and has them and have the main events. Because yeah. they're the large in life. They're old school. They're the large in life character. And people always complain, why is the part-timers, you know, main event? Because that's what wrestling was. It was characters first, 
match a second. And when I saw NXT, and that's the reason why I'm such a big Nakamura fan, because he, he can do both. You know, he can, he can tear the house down the ring. But before that, the entrance is one of the most important parts of someone's character, because if I care about you before you get to the ring, I'm going to care about you when you're in the ring. And Nakamura's entrance was just, it was absolutely incredible. I was just, I was just like mesmerized at Nakamura's entrance. And you had the Toronto crowd singing with him. I mean, I mean, a lot of, a lot of crowds did that when he was, you know, um, usually to take over events, they sing with him too. But the last time in Brooklyn, he had, he only had one violinist, but now he had a, a bunch of them, and uh, they were just kind of, you know, uh, they, they had some moves with them. They were kind of jerking a little bit and just kind of doing what Nakamura was doing, and he was just kind of looking around with them. Just those nuances is what, to me, just what rest, that embodies wrestling, and uh, yeah. I was just absolutely just enamored with with his uh with his entrance and he lost you know he lost the match <laughs> but to me that didn't matter because yeah. he was because his character before the match was so larger than the entire match that the outcome of the match wasn't it wasn't tragic to me what, what do you think about that travis well it you know, it, it makes me think back to what I uh, I heard uh, Dean Ambrose say once, that people forget that wrestling is supposed to be fun. Right. And that's exactly, you know, that's what the, you talk about the characters in the 80s. Wrestling was fun back then. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I, you know, I'm not putting down wrestling now. I love, re- I'm still a big fan of wrestling, but the characters, like he said, that's what made it. Nakamura, his entrance, it was fun. It was enjoyable. You got excited watching him come in. And yep. it's that fun factor, and it's investing in those characters. I remember growing up, I was scared to death of people like Abdul the Butcher and and oh Stan yes. Larrett Hanson. I thought he was going to take my head off if I saw him yeah. in the street. Nails. <laughs> yeah, nails. Yeah, my goodness. <laughs> I was scared of nails. Boss <laughs> <Awesome>, man. Yeah, to death. <laughs> Wrestling's yeah. supposed to be fun, you know, and uh, I still get a hood out of it, but, you know, it just, you need those characters and these larger-than-life characters, and you, you spend your disbelief. you got to believe that, you know, like Duke the Dunkster Drossy really was a garbage man or, you know, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett really wanted to be a singer. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Road Dogg, uh, he, he actually pantomimed this song, and Road Dogg was the person behind the behind the mic the entire time and that That's was right. actually a storyline <laughs> you know <laughs> I, like what if oh, it was man. a storyline in 2016 i mean everybody would crap all over that but back in 95 96 we're like hey that's something it that's was important. so over why, why would you steal this song <laughs> <laughs> yeah it sucked you right yeah. in it was perfect absolutely what, what do you think chris uh i mean yeah everything you said is is completely on point pro wrestling is special because it's it's a comic book come to life basically you know you exactly you get you got doink the clown as the joker <laughs> you've, you've right. got all these guys who 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 would never exist in the real world but somehow they bring these characters and make you believe in them i mean 
yeah, some of those some of those things with the Undertaker when I was real young, you know, you didn't know what to believe and what like was Paul Bearer really that creepy? It, it was right. it was just so good. But yeah, I mean, it's it has been a little lost today, but I also think because today's audience is so clued in on things that they're less willing to accept outlandish characters. Bray Wyatt is probably one of the first people I can think of to get a ridiculous character over mm-hmm. in the last five six years. Yeah. 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 And 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 I'm actually Chris about your thoughts on Survivor Series, but just to kind of lead into that, you know, we're talking about getting characters over, but it's like Goldberg came back. He's only been here for a month. He is <laughs> head and shoulders above the entire roster, and he has not wrestled in twelve and a half years. And the last time he was, like, super-duper relevant was 18 years ago, like 98, because WWE Goldberg was just garbage uh, as far as just his booking was concerned. So 98, 97, 98 Goldberg, someone who came back 18 years, over 18 years from his heyday, still still gets Goldberg chance. And Toronto... You know what? There was all types of uh, all types of sheets saying that, you know, he's going to get booed. But even Toronto could not, you know, uh, book against the Goldberg chance. You know, you you had like yeah. a little a little pocket of saying you screw Brett, and all of a sudden, you know, on on Raw, and you know, it, it got to the point where people just shrouding those chants with Goldberg, and. You know, they were like, okay, well, maybe I'm an idiot right now because I tried to start a chant that just didn't work. And so, like, Chris, what what are your thoughts as far as just the Survivor Series and just Goldberg with that squash? What what was your you left you left Survivor Series feeling what? You know, at first I was a little taken aback with how the, how the match went. I didn't expect it to be a, an 86-second thing because it seemed like they were going to do a four-hour show, so I, I thought they were going to be in for at least a 20-minute struggle. But, you know, a- after the initial shock wore off and I was reading some reactions on Twitter, the thing that occurred to me was if WWE wanted to get people talking about the product, they did exactly what they needed to do. You know, yep. even if you don't like the outcome – every single person who watches wrestling was talking about the fact that Goldberg did that the next day. Had Lesnar come in and squashed him or won a competitive match, it wouldn't have been surprising. It wouldn't have been right. newsworthy. And we and we never would have seen Goldberg again. So this gives us another chance to see Goldberg in the future. And it, it got some buzz. So I have no problem with it from a business standpoint. Yep. Travis? Um, I, I agree with the doctor there, and uh, I gotta say, uh, for me, I'm, the entire night—I thought it was overall great, a great show. I love that they had so many um, of the old school, you know, elimination tag team matches. But the entire night was all about, at least for me, it was all about waiting for that Goldberg Lesnar match. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was over in 86 seconds, but I thought it was exactly how it should have ended. You know, um, it was. Goldberg, the the mystic, mythological hero who's come back, and he took on this Lesnar, who, let's be honest, he's, he's a great monster heel. And when was the last time we saw Lesnar pinned? I think it was, what, WrestleMania 31 or 29 or something uh, like that against tri- Triple H? Triple H. 
Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's mm-hmm. been a couple of years since he's actually been pinned. Yeah, he pat, he didn't really tap out to Undertaker, and Roman pinned Ambrose in their triple threat match. And uh, he was built up. Lesnar was this monster hill. Goldberg came in, slew the beast, and he came out looking like the superhero that he was built up to be. And I think, for, for me, it goes to a storyline aspect. It was just exactly how it was meant to be. Goldberg looks super strong. Lesnar, he took the loss. It doesn't hurt him at all. He's still the beast. He's still a monster. He's still going to come back, and I'm sure he's going to – I got feeling he's going to mess up Goldberg in the Rumble. That's my prediction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I was happy with I how agree. it turned out. Yeah, I agree. I, th- there's many factors of the reason why I think people are just overreacting like, like crazy on this. One, I, this does absolutely nothing to diminish Brock Lesnar's character. Zero. Absolutely nothing. And – you know, Travis, you mentioned from a business standpoint, we have to consider this. You you have people who are bringing, you know, and I always say this, you can't play exclusively to the house because if you keep doing that, you'll have people fade and fade and fade and fade and fade because the, the, the character development, the larger in life aspect, which brought in fans and new fans and old fans, that's not there anymore. So that's going to fizzle out. And so the people who are expecting some theater or you know that type of aspect they're not going to re- they're not going to watch wrestling anymore because it's not that anymore so you had ratings spike up you know when Lesnar was when, when when Goldberg was there and so obviously it was working his return was bringing back old fans i know i know uh personally of people who hasn't watched wrestling in a dozen years who start wrestling, watching wrestling again because because Goldberg came back, and yeah, so what they're used to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what they're used to was the 1997, 1998, you know, thirty second match Goldberg. So why would you give them something different if you want them to stay? And it doesn't matter who it was at that time. It was Brock Lesnar, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> those are the those are the fans that. You want, if you want them to stay, if you want your ratings to go up, if you want to elicit more people to watch your product, you have to give them what they want to reel more people in. Now, yep. if if Brock Lesnar would have, like you said, I think it was Chris, that if Brock Lesnar would have won, would have squashed them or or what if it was a competitive match, that wouldn't have elicited more viewers. And the viewers that you grabbed from, you know, from the casual world or from the, uh, you know, uh, old school WCW 90s world, they would have not, they they wouldn't have tuned in to Raw. You know, they they wouldn't have stopped. (laughs) You know, they, they watched wrestling for a month and they stopped again because the Goldberg that they're used to seeing, this, this, Plowing through, you know, the bad guys. He's not, you know, he got demolished, or he actually had a twenty-minute match. That's not what they're used to, and so I think that that factor alone is the reason why I was one hundred percent okay. I, not only was I one hundred percent okay, I was completely satisfied with. The ending of the match. I thought it was absolutely incredible. It was shocking as all get out. <clears throat> that is that is the last thing you would have expected. To, uh, you know, the ending of Survivor Series 2016 was. Not not only was 
the odds until the very last moments of, of Survivor Series, the odds were against Goldberg. People were just saying, okay, Goldberg is going to lose. It's going to put more money on the table for a third match or the rubber match. And so we're all, you know, just about all of us came in saying, we're we're going to enjoy the entrance. We're going to enjoy just the the, the, the moment of Goldberg, but he's going to lose. But he speared him. Twice. He pushed him. He speared him twice. He jackhammered him, and we were all like, "Wow, <laughs> did that just really happen?" <laughs> and I actually rewound. I, I, I rewound it uh, and watched it again because I usually host um, a big uh, for the big four. I host big parties. Uh, and uh, and uh, there's there was a bunch of people there. Uh, a good friend of mine, um, he opens his church for me, and and we host uh, the uh, WrestleMania and, and uh, Big Four parties there. And so we were just all there. Like there was like a few people like I can't believe this is happening, but we all marked out when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and and it's like. You know, you have this 35-year-old guy, you know, still marking out, you know, about, you know, about a wrestling match. <laughs> and, you know, you know what I mean? I'm just like, okay, well, I don't I don't care. I'm, I'm going to mark out. I'm, you know, 20 years uh, younger right now in this moment. I don't care. I'm going to mark out, and there's nothing <laughs> you can do about it. And that's exactly what I did. And a bunch of thirty-somethings was with me working out. So that I mean, that's the, that's what you got to create. That's that's the moment that's you got to create when it comes to wrestling. Yeah, so we love it. So we love this sport. Absolutely, exactly. All right, so uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on Raw? Uh, I thought Raw was a little hot and cold this week. There were three things specifically that stood out to me. Uh, the main event, obviously, you know, Rollins, Owens, they'll always deliver if you put them in the ring together. The Sami Zayn and Braun Strowman storyline is actually pulling me in more than I expected it to. Braun Strowman's one of those guys that sort of impresses me more every time I see him. But, you know, the the segment that I was smiling the most during was the Kevin Owens-Chris Jericho segment because those two are just pure gold together. And I'm so happy they decided not to break up the team and they just try to throw you a little curveball. But um, yeah, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of a 50, 50 show, you know, some of it was hot, some of it was cold, but that's, you know, kind of the weekly way things go. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Whoa, survivor series. I can't believe that happened. And then Monday night roll. You know, it's like yeah. that's basically <laughs> what it was yeah, to me. To me, at least, it was just like, like top this moment. I can't believe it. And then you know, uh, business as usual. Travis, what are your thoughts? Um, I I agree with uh, with Chris there. Uh, I thought it was hot and cold. I I really enjoyed the the main event, the Owens and. Uh, Rollins universal title match to get the two of them in the ring. It, it's magic every other time. Every time, you know. Um, my other than that, uh, you know, it, it was a nice show. But I think other than the main event, my absolute favorite part of Raw wasn't even a match. It was the backstage segment with uh, Enzo getting locked out of the dressing room and he was butt naked. <laughs> it was so like just childish and just. You know, it was, it, but it was perfect. It was funny, and and man, he's got great timing. And I, I think I watched that two or three times because I could not stop laughing when he looks over and Lana's standing there, 
He's like, how you doing? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes me yeah. laugh just to say it. But, you know, it goes back to that fun factor for wrestling. You know, I, I enjoy the matches, but I also want to laugh and have a good time. Yeah. And, and, and it goes back to just the theme of what I'm saying tonight. <clears throat> Enzo Amora, uh, Enzo Amora cannot wrestle. He is not good in the ring. <laughs> but but his character shrouds all of that. Like it doesn't yeah. and again it doesn't matter how bad he is in the ring, his character just makes him he it makes him it, his character makes him much stronger than what you see in the ring. The guy can't he's not good. I mean the, there's there's no way that I can I can I can't vouch for Enzo in the ring cuz he's just not good. But at the same time <laughs> His character is so good that it that it really doesn't matter. He, he made he made Rusev look like a million bucks, not because of anything that was in the ring. It was because the backstage. And again, I say what happened outside of the ring is yep. what allowed me to be invested in the match. The match wasn't good. But at the same time, I was OK because I was already invested. It's like. It's like one of those things that if I see, you know, if I if I'm at a restaurant and you give me the opportunity to, you know, to 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 try the food before I pay you. And it's like and I think the food is gross. I think there's I think it's ridiculous. I'm like I'm taking this back. You don't get my money. You know, uh let me speak to a manager cuz something has to happen. This is this is crap. I'm not paying you. But it's like if you already give me, if if you already have me have me buy into the fact that this is going to be the best steak ever, this is going to be the best meal, the best this, you've already got my money because you've already you sold me before I ate it. You know what I mean? So if it's not as good as you've hyped it to be, I'm like, okay, you hyped it good enough, so I'm gonna try it. You know what I mean? And yeah. with wrestling nowadays, it's like. Hey, I'm expecting you to pay me for this, and, but I really haven't hyped it up that much, and I'm just going to expect for you to just give it to me. And I, I just don't. That's the issue that I see with it. You know, I'm a lifer when it comes to wrestling because, uh, for many reasons, we all know. I mean, you know, when, when wrestling, when watching wrestling becomes profitable. I mean, why, why stop? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> that, doesn't, yeah. that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but, um, and I'm always be a wrestling fan ever, forever. Uh, and and that, that has nothing to do with my love for wrestling. But, you know, at the same time, I, I still look for stuff like that. I still look for people like Enzo Amore and Big Cass. You know, Cass is decent in the ring. But Enzo's not. But it doesn't really matter because, I'm not looking at how good Enzo is in the ring. I'm looking at his character. So that's my, those are my thoughts. Oh, oh, the flip side of that, when it comes to characters, we have someone by the name of James Ellsworth. Uh, Travis, he, he has his, he has his contract. Um, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down on the Ellsworth deal. Um, I'm going to give it a thumbs up because uh, he's got – he's just fun to watch. He's charismatic. And he does, he's not like anybody else in the roster. He doesn't look like, and he doesn't look like a wrestler. And um, I, I, people love to root for the underdog. He's like your typical underdog. And I, I, God, I love him. He makes me laugh. He's so funny. I really do. 
<laughs> I don't know about the way to put it. You know, um, I don't think I've ever actually. I, I keep meaning to look. I don't think I've ever actually seen him have a real wrestling match. But he might not need to be able to wrestle. He's just got something about. It. He's got that if factor. You know, I like to watch him. He he just connects with me on on a level. I mean, he seems to connect with the people as well. Yeah. Chris, thumbs up or thumbs down on Ellsworth? You know, I go back and forth on him. Uh, he, he Sometimes I feel like the gimmick is worn away, it's welcome, and then the next week something will happen that will make me laugh and think, okay, this still has some life left in it. But uh, I, I know that he's better in the ring than what WWE is letting him portray. So I'm hoping at some point he – I mean, it's kind of like – Santino Morella, you know, I remember when he came in and everybody <laughs> was supposed to think that this guy doesn't know how to wrestle, but in reality, Santino Morella is actually a very gifted technical wrestler who uses yeah. a lot of MMA in his game. But WWE has a long history of these lovable idiots, you know. I mean, Hurricane Helms was amazing. Mm-hmm. Get, oh. Gilberg, Gilberg got over. If <laughs> Gilberg can get over... <laughs> Yes. You know, James L. Barry Horowitz. I mean, there, this goes back decades. So, in my oh. opinion, James Ellsworth is just a continuation of this specific niche that only a certain kind of person can fill. Whether or not mm-hmm. he lasts more than two years is, you know, it's up in the air. Look at where Colin Delaney is right now. But uh, good point. for the yeah. time being, he is he is making the most of every opportunity he is being given. You can't fault the guy for taking an opportunity that was presented to him. And if all this ends and he goes back to the indie scene, he's going to be able to command a much bigger payday. And in the end, it's, it's good for the wrestling business when guys like that can show you that it's possible to make it to WWE when you look like a Muppet. That's very true. It's very, very good point there. I think both of you have made some very good points of why uh, he should be thumbs up, but uh, this is this is how I feel about James Ellsworth. I, you know, you just made the list. <laughs> thumbs down for me. I, I, I just, I'm sorry, I, I can't do it. Only, only because, only because of what Chris, you made both of you made some very good points. Chris, you made some good points as far as just the characters that he is similar to there's a common thread with those characters though those characters aren't many venters and that's the thing you aj styles does not deserve losing to james ellsworth three times i i just that's what takes me away from ellsworth there's no way that you would see gilberg you know defeating the rock you know what I mean? That's just that doesn't make any. There's no way. I mean, yeah, you. you know, who was it that the, the Hurricane beat the Rock? But the Hurricane, his character was strong enough, you know, to have that type of following with him because he could actually because he didn't look just scrawny. He was a lightweight, but at the same time, you know, he had enough. He he had a, a bigger he had kind of a large in life presence because he was a character. Now yeah, so you know I mean someone like a a Barry Horowitz you know there's there's no way that he you know he he would beat someone like I mean, Triple H you know what I mean or you know it yeah. just I just they they were they were characters 
but they were mid carters and they they did good in their pockets. They weren't they didn't, they didn't touch the main event. They didn't they didn't stay in the main event. If they if there if there are parts of them that that you know if there were times that they went to the main event, it was very few and far between, and you know that was it. But Ellsworth, he's he's like kind of staying in that main event lane. And I'm like, you know, and and to me, it's like the WWE is purposely making the distinction to me. And and this is just what I observe. It seems like they're doing like, whoa, Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, Raw, and then spirals down, James Ellsworth from SmackDown. You know, it's just, it just (laughs) seems like such a huge difference. It just seems like a huge dichotomy to me, like Raw and SmackDown, they were they they were they they both were, you know, kind of neck and neck, and so it just seems like they wanted to make that distinction that Raw is the the A show. You know, uh, you can't compare the two because Raw is the A show, SmackDown is the B show, and it just really seems like they're making that distinction. Now, can, could the WWE be that petty? Yes, <laughs> that that the, you know it could be. <laughs> You, I can't. You know, they they could be. There's been many a times where they've been that petty. Uh, so I, that's just what I see. I, I, there's no way in the world that I can imagine James Ellsworth uh, headlining Raw main events multiple times. Whoever wants well, to unless, on that. unless Vince Russo is booking the show. True. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And and that and that contract would not have been in the ladder match. It would have been a contract from a pole match. <laughs> oh yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, let me just remind you: Billy Kidman beat Hulk Hogan, so anybody can beat anybody. He did, but he was a heel, and he was he was wearing dark clothes, and he was part of the the new breed. So at least, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, at least there was some type of backstory to that, you know. And plus, yeah. uh, if I'm not mistaken, Goldberg assisted him. If I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Somebody assisted him that was uh, in the new breath. I thought it was Goldberg. But yeah. Someone assisted him to, to to beat Hogan. So, I mean, granted, Ambrose assisted uh, has have been assisting. He has been <laughs> assisting uh, uh, Ellsworth. So it's not clean. You know, they're trying to protect AJ, but I mean, he's beat him three times. I mean, it's just. I mean, he beat him in a ladder match. He pinned him, and he beat him by. Uh, was it uh, DQ? I think it was. Yeah. So you know, no matter what, there's three wins that you have against the world champion, and not only. And, and to further my point, not only does he have the contract, you're coming to tell me that he has another world heavyweight championship opportunity. Like you know, he's making it like he's never, you know, competed for the world title, and he has. So it's yeah. uh, there, there's just there's no I mean, that's the reason why I'm thumbs down for me before for Ellsworth <laughs> not because of his character I like the character I like just the you know just the kind of squirmy type of you know character that he's doing he's he's doing a great job at it um, and that's really the only way that it would work uh, with someone like him although you know he ha- he actually wears makeup uh, in the indies um, but. Just, just from a main event standpoint, I, I think that that's just preposterous to me. But at the same time, you know, he's living his dream, and uh, <laughs> there you go. Man. You who would have <laughs> ma- imagined James Ellsworth yeah. main eventing SmackDown multiple times. Uh, but 
Anyways, let's uh, let's get to the flavor of the week. Here we go. It is now time for the flavor of the week. All right, so I'm uh, very excited about this flavor of the week. Uh, the flavor of the week this week is that uh, we all had uh, the opportunity to compile a list of the top five uh, characters in the WWE and NXT right now. So, um, just the, the top five characters in the WWE uh, and NXT. So, we'll, let's start with Travis. Who, who's your top five? Okay, my top five. I'm starting off with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura uh, down in NXT. Um, I think he's so much fun to watch. He, he knows exactly who he is, and he's uh, entertaining. Uh, moving up from that, my next pick is Finn Balor, and specifically uh, Finn Balor when he's the Demon King. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it takes me back to when I was a kid. You know these over the top characters, and um, he just is just so dynamic, and and he just stands out from the rest of the crowd. Uh, moving on above that, I got two guys, uh, Samoa Joe and Braun Strowman, because I'm a big fan of the big monster heels, and I would. Uh, uh, you know, Braun's not a great wrestler, but, man, they've done a great job just building this presence around him and he, uh, mm-hmm. he you know, making him undefeated. And I can't wait to see Samoa Joe step up to the main uh, main roster and maybe see the two of them go out. I think that'd be not a technical masterpiece, but it would be brutal. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And then uh, up in number one, um, i, I got to put Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens together. Uh, the two of them are just gold. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I can't think of a single segment that they've been in that I haven't, you know, laughed or smiled and just had a good time with. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great list. Right now. Yeah, I like it. What do you got, Chris? Uh, I, I have to put Bray Wyatt on the list. No matter how WWE misuses him, he always keeps me interested when he's on screen. I, I can't not pay attention to him. Uh. On top of that, I'm going to go down to NXT, and I'm going to put Asuka on the list. She is just – she might be my favorite female performer in WWE right now for multiple Mm -hmm. reasons, not the least of which being that her entrance every single time seems like it's something special, even though it's just her basic entrance. So when they finally give her something grandiose, it's going to stand out. Um, And then I'm actually going to – I surprised myself a little bit when I picked this girl, but I really like Alexa Bliss lately. She has the facial expressions of a heel down perfectly. Mm-hmm. She makes me laugh sometimes, and she she's really stepped up recently on the main roster. Uh, I'm, I'm always going to have to put Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens on there. <laughs> Travis hit <laughs> the nail on the dot, man. They, they never fail to be amazingly funny. And then for the top... I, I kind of am struggling with this because, I mean, are we allowed to use part-timers like The Undertaker? Because then I have yes. to put him on the list. Well, then yeah. The Undertaker has to go on the list for me. He's He was the guy that really got me hooked on wrestling back in the day. Him and Bret Hart were my two tops back in the day, and the fact that he's still around means he's always going to be on my list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great list, too. Um I, I agree. Undertaker's uh, he, he's the top there, but I put him aside just to give five different people uh, some shine. Um, but yeah, he, he just tops the list as far as characters for people we see now. Um, I really like the Oscar. Um, she's an audible mention for me too. I, I agree with you. Uh, 
And yeah, like of course Jericho's, you know, he's he's been my he's in my top five all time. Um, and so yeah, I'm a, uh, modern day Chris Jericho's uh, my my number one. He's been my favorite for. I mean, Sting's my all-time favorite, and, uh, you know, Chris Jericho's been my modern-day favorite for, I'd say, for the past 15 years. So, yeah, I, I agree with them. I, I really like Ember Moon, too. I, I'm really big on Ember Moon. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to her and Asuka go at it. But as far as my top uh-huh. five, I, my, my number five is Braun Strowman. Uh, same same deal with you, Travis. It's for the same reasons. I think he has that behemoth-type character. Um, that the the in ring ability has nothing to do with his character, and I think that um, they're doing a really good job uh, with Strowman building him up to be, you know, to to have enough steam to make a babyface look really good, whoever you know he puts over. Um, yeah. Number four, I'm going to go with Lesnar. I haven't been a Lesnar guy. I just, you know, you know, Chris. Last time you were on the show, we were talking about this as far as just. You know, he take it. I, I take it or leave it. As far as well, you were on the show last week, but as far as just yeah. the Big Four uh, show, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, you can take it or leave it. I mean, that's 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 how I how I feel about Lesnar because, you know, that Ambrose interview basically it encapsulated what I felt as far as um, just the laziness that exudes from from Brock Lesnar, but he still has a larger in life character. He still has that mystique in a way. Uh, so I'm going to put him on there. Number three, Bobby Roode, hands down. I think uh, he is just one of the best things going today. Um, he's good in the ring, but again, every, you know, he, I'm invested in him based on what's outside of the ring. Um, you know, he's a solid wrestler, but his wrestling ability has – it does nothing, you know, for me, but at the same time, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the character that I'm invested in and just the glorious, even with the glorious bombs that was happening with uh, DIY, <laughs> I think that, that was absolutely hilarious. I, yeah. I just think his character was amazing. Number two for me was Shinsuke Nakamura, um, based on, you know, both of what both of you were saying and just, Larger than life, like I said, as far as takeover was just absolutely amazing. Um, all the takeovers he's been in, just elaborate entrance entrances, absolutely amazing. And number one, I got to give it to Goldberg. I just, man, he he makes me feel like a teenager again. <laughs> Pretty much, I mean, he does. I mean, when he when he comes out, when the, when the music comes on. When he walks from the back, when he comes in, when he gets the pyro shower and blows the smoke, and he's just, I mean, he, like I said, head and shoulders above the entire roster when it comes to just investing in the character. And even the IWC and the smart marks, they cannot help but to chant Goldberg. You know, it's so funny. The number of people who complain and complained about Goldberg it would seem like it would be so, you know, you would hear a chorus of boos, but you don't. You don't hear that with Goldberg. You hear Goldberg chants. And so, yeah. uh, you know, he, he's the man. You know, almost 20 years later, he's still the man. So, all right, we got, we got a, a few seconds left. Uh, let's start with uh, Travis. Where can, we, uh, where can we find you? Uh, as always, uh, you can catch me up on Twitter at Ryder Taylor. 
I, I love to interact with people, uh, check out there to find out, you know, any new projects I got coming up. I'm on there every day. I love to talk, so hit me up. Absolutely. Chris? Uh, you know, Bleacher Report, BR underscore doctor on Twitter. That's pretty much where I find myself most days. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Man, as always, man, you, you guys are uh, – uh, wrestling extraordinaires that uh, know your stuff and, and make uh, conversations so seamless and exciting. And uh, I really, really appreciate uh, you both. Appreciate uh, PN News coming on the show. And uh, you guys are you guys are awesome. And uh, looking forward to having you all back soon. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks a lot, man. Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen. Episode two hundred and forty-three is in the books. Until then, of course, follow us at Crave Wrestling. We've got some fun, fun announcements coming up. We appreciate all your support. Got some awesome announcements. Uh, check out the Crave Wrestling Facebook and Twitter. Until then, God bless you all, and have a great night. Chris Featherstone, Chris Mueller, Travis Taylor signing off, episode 243. Have a good night.